Welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Bay and the Yacht Rock Podcast. John, I don't know if you noticed what I'm wearing, but it's a reference to last week's episode. Uh, my skates? No nope. roller skates? No. Star Wars shirt. Oh, yes. Yes. Because yes. you brought out the disco I wanted version. to bring that up. Yeah. Well, you could have worn your own Star Wars shirt. I know. But you, we would have had to ask who wore it best. <laughs> and you would know the answer to that. I, know, I already know the answer to that. Yes. So that is the topic for today's episode, who wore it best. You ever seen any of those shows? Uh, I know they exist. I do not watch them. You don't watch the like the Oscars pre-show? No. Oh, my no, gosh. Sir. You don't read People magazine? I did. Mm. When I was sitting at the doctor's <laughs> office and there was nothing else, yeah. pre-phones. Well, they got this thing, right? Uh, they'll show people who wore the same dress or the same suit, mm-hmm. and they put them side by side, and they say, who wore it best? Yeah. And we're about to do the same thing with Yacht Rock. Yeah, baby. Because we could turn anything into a talk about Yacht Rock. That's right. As long as it has cultural you know, significance, we can make <laughs> right. it fit. Well, what do we got on the menu for today? You've selected some tunes for us. What are we going to do here? Well, we'd always been kind of fascinated by the idea that um, a lot of these songs in the Yacht Rock era were covered. or now, I wouldn't even call them covered because they came out in such close proximity of each other that they were probably in the works at the same time. It's not like a song was out for a while and you, you know, 20 years goes by and you're like, oh man, that, that tune needs to be covered. It needs to be brought back to life. Mm-hmm. These are, sometimes they're within the same year, months apart, maybe only a couple years apart, but uh, it, it seemed to be a common thing that a lot of these songs were showing up under multiple artists and they'd all put them out, their own different versions and you know, kind of throw it up against the wall, see what sticks kind of thing. And I wonder what the ones that were doing it concurrently, did they know that it was also being developed by another artist at the same time? I know the one case we brought up in one of our previous uh, Catch of the Day episodes, Neil Sedaka heard his tune on the radio and was like, right. what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, wait a minute, I'm doing that song. I got to get my version out before. Yeah. So it's, it's curious. But yeah, the weird thing is that they're all happening so close together. So we've got, what do we have, four songs? Four we're songs we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at... Not the not every version of these songs that's ever been done, but the ones that roughly fall into the Yacht Rock category, Yacht Rock era. And we're going to compare them. We're going to listen to their sound. We're going to look at the, uh, the, like the personnel. And we're going to kind of draw our own personal judgment on uh, who wore it best, right? That's right. And if you disagree or if you do agree, whatever, find the Facebook post that accompanies this episode release and let us know in the comments who you think wore it best. And we plan to do more, probably, of these. And so if you have some songs that you know of that kind of fit this sort of bill, add those. We've want we we you know we, we've got a few ideas ready, but we'd love to hear what else you got. Yep. So just search for Yacht Rock Podcast out of the main on Facebook, or if you go to our website, yachtrockpodcast.com, you can find links to all that jazz. All right, here we go. So where to begin? I think we we begin with like one of the standards. I call it the standard. I've, I've said that before. I think yes. this is, from a compositional standpoint, the closest thing Yacht Rock has to a standard, meaning a song that is sort of done by everybody. Even if they didn't record it, they maybe do it live. It's just, it is like the almost like the New York, New York of Yacht Rock. And to me, that is who's right, who's wrong. Yes. Composed by... Richard Page and Kenny Loggins. Right. Yep. In what, about 78, 79, they wrote it? Yeah, well, it must be because um, we have actually four different versions we're going to look at. Yep. Um, we've got the, the Page's version, 1979, from the Future Street album. We got the Kenny Loggins version, also from 1979, on Keep the Fire. Mm-hmm. The Four Tops did this in 1981 on an album called um, Tonight. Mm hmm. 
And then there was a live uh, jazz mantra festival thing called Casino Lights that was uh, 1981. And we're going to look at that version as well, which has Al Jarreau, David Sanborn, Randy Crawford featured. Well, let's start right at the beginning, which yep. is, um, to me, the original, quote unquote, original. Yeah. Is the Pages like version. Yes. And the only reason that's the original to me is because when I started getting into Yacht Rock, I discovered Pages. And yeah. this was one of the songs they played. Grown tired of fighting Whether you're right or wrong Whether I'm weak or strong In your eyes Yeah, and it's, to me, that's like that, Just an iconic version It has all the sound, it has Everything, I mean, same for me. It's like once I discovered who Pages was, mm-hmm. and when I heard that song, that was the one that I really remembered. I couldn't have told you before who it was, right. but I know that is the version that I was at least familiar with in the back of my mind. And it wasn't until I really started digging into this Yacht Rock thing that I realized, oh, Kenny Loggins has a version. Oh, right. Kenny Loggins co-wrote it. And then you discover all the rest. So let's start with the ori- quote-unquote original. Which is the Pages version. Yeah. And what are some interesting elements that you pull out of this version? Should we start with personnel? Because we know the personnel includes Richard Page. Right. Who else is on this record? Well, here's the the personnel. Um, We've got Jerry Hay doing the strings and the horns, Mm -hmm. and he's also credited as uh, conductor. Jay Winding, he's doing the uh, EP, the Electric Piana. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Loggins is in the background uh, vocals. Thought I heard that. Yep. Saxophone, interestingly enough, I could have sworn it would have been David Sanborn. It's not? It is not. Well, that's right. It's not. It's Michael Brecker. Interesting. Hmm. Are we throwing a flag on listener Mike? I, I think we are. I think we need to. Listener Mike swore up and down that every version of the song, the sax was played by David Sanborn. Yeah, now I guess we're finding out the really only one that we know of now. <laughs> That's okay. a pretty big flag. That's like That's 15 yards. That, that might be an ejection. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, George Lawrence on drums. I'm not familiar with who that is. But, of course, Jerry Hay has the whole normal Chuck Finley, Bill Reichenbach gang with him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Steve George is on keys, who is the other part of Pages. So it's a... Pretty significantly yachty lineup, though not necessarily all the mainstays are on this one. Yep. But it sure feels like it, boy. What's your take on just the overall song, your feel of it, now in context of the other versions you've heard? This is, for the most part, still the one for me. It's a little bit, um, I like the tempo of it better than some of the others. I feel some of the others are not quite, I don't know. And I like the way this grooves. I like it's kind of laid back, but it grooves a bit. So let's play a little of that. All right. It's got a bit of that typical yacht rock bounce. It's not overly uh, boisterous, really, to the end when they do the key change yep. and all of that. Then it really takes off. So what I like is how it gradually builds. It doesn't go verse, boom, to a big chorus and back down. It's kind of stepping up along mm-hmm. the way, which is really nice. I think that kind of follows thematically the lyrics, I think. It's like it's kind of, you know, to me it's this guy realizing that there's always this bickering. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's like so pissed about it. It's like, yeah. that's enough of this. And so that's how this All version, that I matters feel, like, is that we stay together. Right, that's right. All that 
yeah, so that, that was my overall feel. From, and for me, in the context of another version, which maybe we can segue to, is the sort of this, the just the mood, the, the overall vibe. And the next one I want to talk about is the Kenny Loggins version. Yeah. And, um, you know, with so we, we asked the question at the beginning of how much were they aware of other versions being made. Clearly, Kenny knew about the Pages version, having sung on it, and they wrote the song together. So it brings to mind, was there a little bit of competition going on? Mm-hmm. Did, did they both have their own interp, and they wanted to see whose was came out better? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, a couple notes that I had, and I'll be interested to get your take, is, okay. you know, I love Kenny Loggins. This version opens with a focal point being the vocals. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this irreplaceable Kenny Loggins vocal that, all due respect to the Kathy Pages, they just can't pull off in the way that he does. I've grown tired of fighting Whether you're right or wrong Whether I'm weak or strong In your eyes So soulful. I love that. This is the other note I have, which I want to get your take on, is I feel like the rhythm section in this version... I know you prefer the other one, it sounds like. But to me, the rhythm section, and by that I mean the bass and the drums interplay, is more interesting overall. I feel like there's more to the groove and more kind of hippity hop than mm. the straightforward version of Pages. Your thoughts? I, I don't disagree with that, but I feel that there's places in here, like the progression from verse to pre-chorus to chorus, there's a lot of places where it kind of loses momentum because Kenny, almost like what he did with What a Fool Believes, goes off on these tangents, even if it's like a bar or two measures, mm. you know, it's very brief tangents, like all the flow gets lost. Okay, now we're back onto the part that I know. Oh, wait, now what's he doing? Oh, okay, now we're on the chorus. It feels a little disjointed to me structurally. Yeah, interesting, because my takeaway from that one is I liked the dynamism of it. So I liked that where the Pages version is pretty consistent and then okay. builds. I kind of like how this one soft and then it attacks and then it goes off into this other place. We, maybe we find a little piece yep. to play what we're talking about so people can hear it. On and on tonight you made a point of being right Making this a game instead of us Someone's heart will surely be so I guess in general, then we have the same analysis, but different, different preference. Different preference on yeah. that. Uh, a couple mentions on personnel: Michael Brecker on sax on this one, not David Sanborn. It is not. Um, of course, Tris uh, on drums. Oh my God, he just yeah. kills it in this yeah. version. Tris and Bowden. Oh, and my God. Michael Jackson is in there on the backups. Can you believe I know. that? In Richard Page as well. Uh, I don't believe so. I did okay. not write that down. Okay. Uh, I would think I would have when I was doing my notes. But I had a note that um, what this one does have that none of the others have, and we're going to play a little of that, is after all of the – we get through the solo section and then the, the outro choruses, and then all of a sudden they tack on this little funky groove section. Love it. That is really – Cool, and I kind of wish I had done that on our version, but <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that. No. Well, let's hear that, then let me ask you about it okay. afterwards. So let it roll. Okay, ask away. Well, so <laughs> I was gonna ask you. 
I think you emulated the page 99 version of the song after the page is version. Is that true? That is true. Similar roadmap, similar feel. Similar roadmap, similar. I, I just felt it needed a little more boost in, in energy, a little harder hitting, which kind of gets me to the Four Tops version, but I'll let you finish yeah. that. Well, this is what I love so much about this version. It's I don't know how long it is. I forgot to note. It but takes forever to get there, it, it feels does. like. And then it gets there, and it's like it's like this coda. It's this left turn, again, to it your is. point, but it feels really cool. The Four Tops, which we're going to get to, pulls off a similar feat in a different way, but yeah. I just love this part. And then my last note on this one, which I why I might give it a nod over the pages version i feel like there's more integration of the michael brecker part mm-hmm. there's more sax throughout indeed yeah. yeah yeah i would agree with that well should we uh hop on the soul train and get over to the four tops yeah because the, the four tops version we're gonna play a little bit of that and notice that the groove is a lot more r&b influenced which makes sense so let's yes. hit that who's right And what I just recently learned from that, because when I, when I did my version, I wanted to take some of, like, I thought that the drums in this one, even though the tempo is a little too slow, I thought the drums groove, and I liked the way it was, uh, it punctuated things differently. It mm. just hit it a little bit harder. And it wasn't until I was actually researching for this, where I looked up personnel, because I just assumed Four Tops was going to have generic personnel under it. Right. And lo and behold, it's Jeff Percaro on drums. you got to be kidding me. I am not. I did not look that up. <laughs> that explains yeah, it, I'm like, but... No wonder I wanted to take that from it. You're right. And I, my note on this is just the version has, quote-unquote, soul for days. It's just so soulful. And the fact that it's Percaro and you wouldn't know it at first shows you that he could be himself and fit the intended mood quite well. Bingo. Yeah, definitely. Done. And then who was the, did you look at, who's the vocalist at this point in the Four Tops, lead vocal? That's a good question. I don't know. I didn't really pay attention to that because I was thinking more about the uh, supportive. It's, yeah. I know Nathan East was also on bass and a guy named Tom Seviano was the sax player on this hmm. one. Don't know him. I don't either. either. Not David Sanborn. No. Nope. But I, the lead vocal almost has like a Lou Rawls feel to it, I feel like. Yeah. I, th- I My takeaway, I feel that, and I know this is, you know, maybe meant for, um, more of an R&B audience at the time, I feel it's the vocalist overdoes it. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe not near the end, but I feel like out of the gate, he's already gone full Michael Bolton on us. And it's like <laughs> a little too much for me. Like, let, yeah. let, let's let it build. Let, let's, let's, let's interpret the song. But, you know, it almost feels like I'm watching American Idol where the person is showcasing from the beginning. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel it needs that. I think that's a fair take. In the way that we describe the theme of the song being like this gradual build towards just being completely fed up at the end. This yeah. does not have that. He comes out stronger. but It's got they, lots of strings in it, though. Lots this of one, strings. Yeah. It does. But by the end of this, the outro kind of vamp where they're redoing the chorus, yeah. that has a ton of energy. It's not the Coda version that Kenny Loggins no. has, but it still has way more energy. it's not the Pages energy. version either because they don't do the solo section and the key change. They stay right in there. They just yep. do a little solo, but they don't go through the chords. See, the, the Pages version has a series of chords that the solo is played under, which is such a yacht thing that... All of a sudden, you're going through a whole bunch of different keys, and then boom, at the end of it, you land on the outro course, and you're in a different key than you were before. Mm-hmm. In this case, they're just kind of soloing over the verse, and then when he gets back to the pre-chorus, he sings it, and they sing the choruses out, but it doesn't change keys. Well, let's play the end where we get all of this raw emotion, and then we'll segue into the live version that we want to talk about. Okay. So here's how this one kind of ends up.
Well, while we are on the Soul Train, we have to bring up this live version from Montreux, 1981. Yeah. Don't you know? What's the story on this one? Well, we had this record when we were younger, and I recently found a copy of it, too. So it, it was kind of a nice throwback to have. But this one, man, we've got um, duet now. Randy mm-hmm. Crawford and Al Jarreau, David Sanborn on sax. There he is. Yeah. And we've got Marcus Miller on bass. Uh, um, who else we got? I mean, we got Lenny Castro on percussion. Neil Larson. Got Neil Larson. We've got um, Larry Carlton. Yep. Did it's you mention just, Lenny Castro? I did mention yep. Lenny. Yeah. I mean, it's an all-star band. I mean, which makes sense for the, the context, but right. boy, oh boy. And then serving it up as a duet, I think works really, really well. Yes. And you got to watch the video. We could not find this on Spotify, but right. we will link to a video of it in the show notes. And just how much fun Al and Randy how are having. How much chemistry do they have going? Oh, it's amazing. Someone wrote in the comments there... Um, when you see Randy smile, how do you not melt or something like that? Because she just looks to be in such a joyous place. Man. Oh, yeah. So smooth. And what an all-star man. band. My only regret on this version is I don't remember having the record. I don't have the record now. All I have to go on is this kind of crappy recording yeah, on YouTube. That's true. And I wish I could be there. And I would say, I would render my vote. I bet I would vote for this version had I been there or had a good recording of it just because of that band being so awesome. Yeah, and having been there live and experienced it, yeah, yeah probably. Amazing. So do you want to render uh, our judgments? I will render my judgment. Um, in order? Are you just going to tell me your favorite or are you going to tell me in order? I was just going to pick a winner. Okay. But if you want, I can place the others. Um, despite what our differences, I embrace what Kenny did to it, whereas you're not as big of a fan. So okay. I'm going with the Kenny Loggins version being my favorite. And All right. usually what's different, usually because I heard the Pages one first, usually when I hear that one, that establishes what the song should be. And I can almost never find a version I like better than right. the quote-unquote original. Right. This is not that case. That I'm going uh, Kenny Loggins, number one. Mm. Who you got? Well, I'll give you mine in order. Okay. You can tack on. My number one is Pages, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Actually, my second favorite is the Casino Lights. That'd be my second. Yep. Then the Four Tops, and Kenny's is number four for me. Really? So yeah. I had Pages at number four, believe it or okay. not. Okay. Only because I love that. Uh, I, I put number two, the uh, Casino Lights, for example. Just imagine how awesome that was. Love the Four Tops energy. And then, God, lo and behold, Pages comes in fourth out of four. That's Manner of taste, believe. right? Where would you put the Page 99 version? Well, number one. <laughs> well, I, you know, in some ways, I tried to take a little bit of each of these, at least the ones that I knew, and uh, and sprinkle that together with my own fairy dust. All right. Well, split decision on song number one. Definitely. Let's listen to the undercard. Let's go, okay. even though we're doing that out of order. Right. Undercard should be first, but uh, <laughs> that is the main event. I thought. Uh, I think so. So, but what do we got for the uh, second bout here? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So now we're going to look at a song written by Michael McDonald. This is Nothing But a Heartache, which, of course, the Doobie Brothers did on uh, Living on the Fault Line album, 1977. We have a Pointer Sisters version of it um, that was recorded in 1979 but was not on the original album. It got added on to a reissue CD version later on. That's interesting. Yep. And then the third version we want to look at on that one is by Lauren Wood. From 1979, and we'll get back to more details on that. But uh, I guess the, the, the place to start is obviously the Doobie Brothers version. In this case, we probably figured that song was out and well-known. There's a couple years separate. and mm-hmm. um, Was so it people, a single? I don't know if it was. Yeah, okay. Because I don't remember it being released as a single, but just going off memories. My only note on this one, it's just it's quintessential Doobies, I feel like. The it vibe absolutely is. is. So Doobies. It absolutely is. I don't have a whole lot to say about it because that song, I feel, within people that you know listen to this style, it really speaks for itself. And the question is then, how was it redone? Because you almost see Doobie Brothers' material, especially from the Michael McDonald era, mm-hmm. of being so unique, so much its own sound. The, the composition and the performance of Michael are kind of so seemingly intertwined on the surface, I would say I couldn't imagine somebody else covering one of those tunes. Yet, here we are. Here we are. Well, let's play some of the original so we have the bar by which to measure the others. Here All we right. go. Pretty chill. In a Pretty these kind of way. But indefinitely has a bounce to it. Does, uh, yep. Well, where do we go next? We want to look at the Pointer Sisters version and see what they did to it. It ain't nothing but a heartache. Darling, you'll get over. Okay, so right out of the gate, to me, the instrumentation sounds identical hmm. to the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. But they have amplified the groove. They've changed the syncopation of the groove. And if I didn't, let's say, know them both really well, and I just heard this pop on the radio, I'd immediately think, oh, Doobie Brothers. Then I realized, oh, wait. You know, I would, it's like mm-hmm. sonically it's the same, but unless you're comparing the two, you don't realize that the grooves are different. Then when you hear them, like, oh, yeah, they really did kind of sort of flip it inside out. That was exactly my note. So let's just play a segment of the intro so we can compare them side by side. Here's how Sounds the good. doobies lay down the groove. And then for me, my note is I said there's a little more hitch in the giddy-up with the Pointer <laughs> Sisters version. So see if you can t- detect a little more hitch in the giddy-up with the Pointer Sisters going like this. So uh, Richard Perry was producer on that. Okay. And, um Interesting that that did not make the cut of the original album. Yeah. Which apparently, Richard Perry was known for cutting 20, 25 songs and then picking 10, you know, as opposed to focusing in on 10 songs. Yeah, or even and 12 maybe and yeah. cut to 10. But and you, it's a different approach. I know that yeah. Lionel Richie talked about he would have 50 songs finished for every album and then pick. Wow. So uh, maybe not finished, but at least, you Imagine know. Imagine the archives that could come out at I, some point. That's what I'm hoping. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my note was that it maintains the vibe of the original, but it definitely ups the groove, mm-hmm. uh, from a, uh, 
personnel standpoint, we got Bill Payne of Little Feet on uh, piano, and he was pretty much uh, the, probably the arranger on this. Uh, I know he became a big arranger from the keyboard for a lot of these bands. Um, let's see, we got Rick Murata on drums. Really? Yeah. Um, Wadi Wachtel on guitar. Not really a guy associated with uh, Yacht Rock as much as he has Laurel Canyon sounding mm-hmm. stuff, but definitely a big, big time session player. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of an interesting lineup there. It is. You know, what's interesting to me about the Pointer Sisters just in general is being, um, born in 70, you know, they sort of kind of came into my awareness during the, when they were more like a synth pop. Like Neutron Dance and Neutron that stuff. Neutron Dance. Jump. I'm so excited. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Jump for your love or whatever. That's a darn fine album. It's not Yachty, but it's darn it's not, good. Yeah, it's not. So that's kind of where I think, and yeah. I knew they had a past. Even that, as a young age, I'm like, well, I know they had a past. I didn't realize that they had a Yachty past. Mm-hmm. The segment in there that is, you know, when we started talking to some of the experts, so the John O'Grady's of the world, it was like, oh, Pointer Sisters are super Yachty. I'm thinking, yeah, when we were doing like uh, the Maidens of the Voyage, right. and he brought and them up. Fig- I'm like, what? Pointer Sisters, what? Like, and he, yeah, they were definitely. It, absolutely. And this is a good, like, listen to how Yachty that song is. Full that's, on Yacht. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So that was about all I had on that one, too. Just super yachty. I love the energy that they added with just a tiny little syncopation to the groove. Mm-hmm. And I love that version. And then there's also from 1979. This version by Lauren Wood. And it was actually credited with Novi Novag, which is a name that we um, stumbled through, stumbled across and stumbled through before. Do you remember who Novi is? That's the viola player in the uh, Blackwater tune by the Doobies. Correct. And apparently she's, you know, known well beyond that as an arranger and an orchestrator. And um, in this case, this was was, uh, credited as being arranged by Bill Payne. So we got Bill Payne on this one, too. Okay. Um. From a personnel standpoint, before we get into more of our analysis, this one is just, this album was loaded, but we got John Clemmer on the sax. Okay, interesting. Um, Michael McDonald is on the backups on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought he could barely hear him in there. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Just real quick, can we play a little of the sax? Because John Clemmer kills it in this one. Yeah, let's hit that solo. Yeah. I don't have a, a song by song credit with me. I just actually got a vinyl copy of this handed to me today, and so I didn't have a chance to look through it. But the bass is either Abe Laboreal or David Hungate. Hmm. Sounds like Hungate to me, but uh, who knows? Um, drummers on this album Jeff Percaro, Jim Keltner, Mike Baird, Rick Schlosser. I mean, so it's one, one of, of the Yachties. <laughs> yep. So, what are your thoughts on this one? It's a different feel entirely. I've quoted Randy Jackson in the past from, you know, American Idol. Yep. I'm going to do that again. It was just I for me, dog. It was what? Just I for me, dog. Okay. I'm not going to say it's a no for me, dog. But there wasn't much to this one that like perked my ears up other than the sax playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to make sure that I, is that Michael McDonald and backups? So it was okay. It just wasn't, there was nothing remarkable to me. What are your thoughts? Well, what instrumentally, uh, the sounds again are very similar to the original. So mm-hmm. everybody decided to stay with the same sort of textures. Yep. It's definitely more jazz-influenced than being groove 
I would agree with that. So from a Yachty perspective, maybe being a little less groovy, it it loses some points there. It's a faster tempo. Mm -hmm. Um, My thoughts on it is that all of those things, I liked that it was understated. That was my note here. I wrote nicely understated. I liked the idea that it was downplayed and kind of chilled. I would agree with understated. And again, we differ on preference because I don't like how understated it was, but that's just a matter of personal preference. You got to be hit over the head, don't you? Well, <laughs> I don't see so good. <laughs> Where's the good? All right. Well, then, if you're, uh, you got any uh, more thoughts? I'd love to hear what you. Uh, we're gonna let you go first. I'll in give the radio you my again. order then. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Okay. I give this one to the Pointer Sisters, much to my own surprise. Mm. Uh, just don't. I just feel like they add just a little, uh, just enough to make it a little more interesting than the original Doobies version, which is probably. Probably the best I'll concede, but I'm just my own personal favorite. So that's Doobies is number two, and then third is just I. Okay, well, um, I might ha- have a little bit of the uh, the newness factor, the placebo effect going mm-hmm. on, but uh, it might be a sense of discovery. But I've got Lauren Wood number one. Ooh. I really liked this take on. Okay, it. interesting. I have Pointer Sisters number two and Doobies number three, wow. but I mean, come on, it's it's not Doesn't like it's a it's, low number three. Right. It's just yeah. like, geez, Louise. I mean. They sort of, you know, it's almost as though they painted the canvas with all the stuff and then let somebody else come in and, you know, dot the snow caps on top of the mountains and stuff and call it their own painting, you know. I agree. um, So we are saying Lauren Wood is your Bob Ross. I love, exactly. I love all three of these versions. I really Mm -hmm. do. I agree with that. That's a good take, though, that the Doobies kind of laid the foundation and then these other two artists added a little element. Because none of them took it to such a different place. They all kept with, you know, the roads, percussion, soft mm -hmm. drums, you know. None of them went and completely, you know, hatcheted it up and did something completely different. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Well, let's move on to maybe an example of artists that did do that. Yeah, because this surprises me that I didn't even realize that there were covers of this song. What song? uh, Well, we're... Are you building to something? I'm building to something, yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that there were covers to this what, song. What song? Only to... <laughs> Dirty Work. Okay. God. <laughs> All right, you take it. I didn't realize there were covers <laughs> to this song. <laughs> no, I'm in the same boat as you, though, so continue. You didn't realize there were covers to Dirty Work by Steely Dan. It just didn't seem like a song that people would cover. I don't know why. And then to find two of them in the Yachty area, and then to make it even more strange to have them be Pointer Sisters and Lauren Wood again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. Same records for both? Yeah. No, not for the Pointer Sisters. Okay. Interesting. Well, the first one to me is one that I've, it's a song I've always loved. We know that um, Donald Fagan did not love it. Did not sing it. Maybe did not want why. to record it. Well, he didn't want to sing it. Yeah. Right. And then didn't sing it live even after they right. were playing it. But I guess does now um, to the extent that they tour ever. But, um, I can see why now, though, because now that I place it in the canon of Steely Dan, it's an outlier to me. It's like this sounds like mm-hmm. classic rock and not yacht rock in any way. Yeah. Having said that, I love the song. Yes, I do too. Between that one and uh, Reeling in the Years, they it, it just even do it again. Those three songs off the first yep. album are kind of outliers, and they're all so different. But that's you know maybe a different conversation for a different day. But it is 1972, so we're talking pre-yacht. Yes, years. it is pre-yacht. Um, and again, to correct my own flag, it was written by the drummer, right? David Palmer. And yeah. sung by him. Right. Cool. Right. Apparently, I read somewhere, uh, I don't recall where it was, but that uh, Fagan was not real confident as a vocalist back then. Hmm. And even some of the songs that he sings on on that first album and the second album, 
David Palmer is singing with him. There's a lot of, if you go back and listen, you hear a lot of unison vocals. It's the two of them. And and that was sort of a byproduct of the way they did the songs live, is that uh, Fagan wasn't confident as a singer live and wanted that support voice around him. Interesting. So maybe that's how this happened. I can kind of see that. I mean, he doesn't, honestly, he's a magician and a brilliant musician, but he's not the best singer in the world. It's not one of those voices you say, oh, wow, what a singer. But he, you know, just commands his material so well. Right. All right, well, let's play a little of it so people know what the foundation is, and then let's move on. Here we go. I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah. Okay, so that's what 1972 Steely Dan and again, sounds like. You hear that sort of hippie organ in there. That's is that yeah. the yeah. Hammond B three or Probably something like B3, that? Probably B three. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that that really makes it sound like 1972, doesn't yep. it? Exactly. Well, let's go to the Pointer Sisters version because yeah, this is crazy. Not on the same album as the prior one, the cover that they did of the Doobies. But right. which album is this? This now? is from uh, the album prior to that one. So this is 1978, an album called Energy. So let's hit some of that. I gotta say this version grew on me did it well when i first heard it you hear the vocal there it, to me it sounds like almost like novelty like you know some of those christmas songs you hear the mm-hmm. voices intentionally just i don't know it's just yeah my first note it's a anita pointer singing this one and my first note was not crazy about this vocal yeah exactly and then once i got over that though because i've listened to these versions now multiple times mm-hmm. this version did grow on me and the one thing that i liked about the vocal is maybe we could just go back and play a little over just play the chorus the sweeping and the swooping at the end note of the I'm a foo. There's a little like okay. trail off there that kind of adds a little flavor that I like. Hit that. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. So that's I, maybe partially what grew on me, and it's not in the original. What else did you think about this version? I liked. Um the sax part, the sax solo, mm. kind of rips the solo from the original. It kind of, at least it starts off with the same sort of opening figure and then goes its own way, but it's definitely nodding back to the original. You got uh, Page, David Page on this one, mm. got uh, Hungate on this one, and Fred Tackett, who is also from Little Feet on guitar. Oh, on really? One. Yeah. Hmm. Little Feet, it's amazing how much we're finding Little Feet behind the scenes of these Yachty artists, a band that does not sound yachty at all to no. me other than a couple outliers yeah and that one too that's got michael mcdonald singing yep. all over it but um i think partially would also grew on me is can we play the ending of this because this really builds to a nice energy at the end that's not prevalent i don't think in the steely dan version so here's kind of the end little uh outro vamp See how that kind of builds? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I like, again, that grew on me. I did not like it at first. I was like, eh, mm-hmm. nah. Mm-hmm. Well, then we came around to Lauren Wood. Right. And this was 1979. Same album as the other song from her we looked at. 
want to mention personnel or anything on this one? We know it's not the well, same record as the previous song we talked about. Um, what's funny to me is that the guitar solo on this is kind of a rocker. It's uh, Ronnie Montrose rocking the guitar solo on this one. So, and who's uh, about Ronnie Montrose? Well, there's a band... Montrose, mm-hmm. um, which obviously he was the leader of, but Sammy Hagar sang lead, so that's kind of where Sammy Hagar came from. Gotcha. So it was that kind of your typical Sammy Hagar type rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Ronnie Montrose was a, a close friend of Ted Templeman, which we'll get to, and so he was around this circuit. And uh, surprising to hear him on this, especially because it's a pretty chilled you know, jazzy sort of vibe for the yeah. most part in this tune. Well, let's hear his solo then. Let's fast forward to the middle section here. <laughs> fast forward. <laughs> okay, here we go. What I liked about was, was the, I knew it wasn't Lukather. I could tell just by the tone, but I felt like he was going for the type of solo that Lukather would have laid down had he got hired for the part. Well, let's hear a quick listen to uh, verse two here where the super yachty mute guitars come in and lay down the groove. I like this part. Light the candle, put the lock upon the door. You have sent the maid home like a thousand times. So that sounds very Lukather, too. Exactly. So I don't have a credit, like I said, at the moment in front of me of who did that, but that makes it sound super yachty right there. I think this whole version is super yachty. Yeah. Yeah. Super yachty. And uh, mm. Bill Payne, again, but going back to Little Feet, going back to Bill Payne arranging stuff. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like the Bill Payne hour here. Right. How much do you know about Lauren Wood's broader catalog? Is it yachty? Yeah, me neither. It was just laid to my attention for this, somebody turned me on to Lorne Wood, mm-hmm. and that's how I discovered, I think it was Dirty Work, and then, you know, I looked at the album and saw, oh, she's also covered this other tune. Yeah. And so that's what, well, the whole genesis of this episode started from somebody turning me on to this record, but I had zero knowledge going in. Oh, because we love it so much, can we just play a little more of it? All right, there we go. I hope the sensors don't come yeah. after the Spotify. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Well, I'm ready to render a decision. Me Are too. You? I'll let you go first this oh, time. You'll let me go first. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I would say, um, boy, oh, boy. I, I, I'm still going to stay, I guess if I'm not being hardcore tied to the Yacht Rock uh, rules, I'm going to go with Steely Dan number one still. I have a hard time not calling that number one. Um, but... Number two is Lauren Wood, and the Pointer Sisters is a distant third to me. I just couldn't get past the vocal. I know you, it grew on you, but yeah, I'm not too far off. In fact, I might be exactly where you're at. I just, I just, in terms of yachtiest, it's Lauren Wood. Yes, it is. In terms of maybe my favorite, I don't. You're gonna have a hard time unseating the Steely Dan original here because it's right. so different. It might be Steely Dan love for me too. Yeah, I get and then that. Pointer Sisters a distant third. Uh, good try. I like, like I said, it grew on me, but. Uh, not enough to unseat those two. 
All, All right, right one more song. One more. What do we got on the, the final? This one's a twofer. So we just got two artists to look at on this one. But this was a song that I know was ranked very highly on the Yatsky scale. Um, both versions of this song came out in 1983. Um, and it's a song called Let's Go Up. And it was written by Peters Ivers and Franny Gold. Somebody turned us down to Franny Gold yes. just recently. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, now her name comes up again. Do you have the Yatsky rating for both of these? Are they both rated? I don't know. I know the Diana Ross one is. What, what's her? Because this came up. Um, it was the highest rated song by a female solo artist. Yes. That was sort of, of course, John question. O'Grady knew that off the top of his head. Yeah, I know he did. Yeah. Uh, I did not. I don't believe the Helen Reddy version's been looked at. But, okay. Um, Let's start here and lay the groundwork because I think the most well-known one, because it had been rated and is probably in a lot of the more hardcore yacht rock playlists, is going to be the Diana Ross version. So this is from 1983, an album called Ross. She actually has two albums called Ross, which is weird. She has one from 1978 also called Ross. So if you go looking for it. You could get confused, but anyway, we've got uh, Jeff Percaro, David Page, Jerry Hay Horns, Greg Fillingains, and it sounds like this. So the first thing that jumps out at me is this awesome yachty drum beat that's kind of like the Percaro shuffle. It is. It is the Percaro shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's got the... What is he playing on hi hat there? It's like a shuffle. shuffle. Yeah, it's his pretty notes. shuffle. It's his it, yeah, thirty mm-hmm. second notes even on the. It would be a shuffled sixteenth. So okay, gotcha. But yeah, very yachty. And then it goes into a straight shuffle, which you've brought up in the past. Takes you out of the harbor when that happens. Yep, that's the only thing that takes the yachtiness away for this song. But let's hear the chorus, so you know what we mean by the full time shuffle. feel like I don't want it to go to double time there, <laughs> too, but yeah. eh, I well, wasn't there. You could do a third version of this. Pass. You could, okay. <laughs> um, well, how how different is this in your mind than the Helen Reddy version? It's not entirely different, um, but let's let's play a little bit of the Helen Reddy version because let's so we can compare that groove. So okay. So, uh, personnel on that one. You got Vinny Kaluta on drums. Who's who playing the bass? Because that's super funky. That is Nathan East. Ooh, that's yeah. nice. Robbie Buchanan on piano and a guy named Martin Walsh on guitar. Definitely doing the uh, the Lukather pluckety plucks. Definitely. Like so it's much. very yachty overall, but certainly those palms. It's a little slower tempo. Yeah. Um, I got that the horns, they feel very steely, Dan. The whole groove, everything feels like it could have mm. come right off a of gaucho. The horns, I what I like about it is kind of like the way Steely Dan does horns a lot of times. They're subtle. They're kind of just smooth. Unison, in um, yep. more sax driven mm-hmm. than the piercing brass, yep. for sure. I absolutely fell in love with this version. When you introduced it on another Catch of the Day episode when yeah. we did Yacht Shockers. Yes, I think it was. Helen, because I'm thinking Helen Reddy. Reddy. And then there's more on this album yeah. that are yachty. Yeah. But it it feels, like I said, like you could have taken it right off a of gaucho. This feels super yachty. It takes the um some of the I don't know what the word is. There's there's an edge in the Diana Ross version that is smoothed out here. Yeah. 
I agree. And that's something Fagan would have done. Everything they did was kind of smooth. Yeah. Um, this, I think, also, when we did the, the Catch of the Day show, I think you pointed out that you can hear all these record... Like, Yeah, this is definitely a vinyl rip put up on Spotify. You can <laughs> you hear, hear all click. the pops and crackles. <laughs> and then you can also hear at the very end, if you listen to it, you can hear where they... Uh, you can still hear some record hiss, and then that ends abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> It's nothing but top quality on Spotify, baby. Does that mean there's a master of this doesn't exist anywhere? I wonder. That, I wonder. Maybe that got lost in that fire out there in uh, yeah. California. Well, this was by far my favorite of the two. Easy. Um, and, and I get why the other one was ranked high, but this is a superior version. Yep. And it, the, I think in, in every, every way. way. I feel like, maybe not the lead vocal, but I feel like the... They're on par with each other. They're just different. Yeah. The arrangement, the mixing, the performance. I just love everything about this Helen every version. I so we're in harmony. We finally there. agreed. Yes, well, it took us three uh, knockdowns to mm-hmm. do it. All right. Well, cool. If you have an idea for who wore it best, hit us up on Facebook. Send us a note. Send us an email, and you can find that at yachtrockpodcast.com. Lightning yeah. round. Yeah, lightning round. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I'm going to start the lightning round here. Uh, theme appropriate, and just because it's super quick, and I'll check it off, and we can move All on. All right. Um, I think I know your answer, but so I'm just going to throw out "Dirty Work" by Steely Dan. Does it float your boat? Um, no, not no. Yachty. Love it, not Yachty. Correct. I only bring it up. So, can we put the Lauren Wood version in our playlist? Ooh, all right, fair enough. All right, good. Maybe all these need to be in that list, I think. Yeah. And we do have, by the way, we do have a Who Wore It Best playlist. Again, we will link to that in the show notes. But we're talking about our ongoing playlist where we put all the songs from the lightning round into one little tidy list. So it's obviously because it's some doesn't float your boat. There's some not yet yeah. in there and there's off the map, all kinds of goodies. Yeah, our podcast debrief playlist. It's You're going to find Duran Duran in there, but that's because it was a point of conversation. <laughs> not because we're making a declaration it's yachty. No. All right. All right, so I will go float your boat. Um, I had a reason for putting this one in here, and I don't recall what the reason was now. Um, probably because it was an offshoot from our disco discussion. Okay. And I wanted to hit you with this one from the Bee Gees. How deep is your love? Come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love. Then you softly And it's me you need to share. Well, I love this song. I feel like it's too ballady, even though you know I love me some air supply and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It's already ballady. I'm saying no, I think. (laughs) I'm thinking it doesn't float my boat, but I I do love the song. I think I'm kind of in the same place. I can't quite put it in there. And for some reason, even though I do think of some of the BG stuff as being yachty. Me too. Something about their voices keep me from feeling it as Yachty almost the same way that Michael Jackson's voice does. Mm. It's like it's its own thing that I can't I have a difficult time categorizing it in with other stuff. Yeah, me too. I don't know why. And but, I have a hard time just removing them from disco because that was yes. their main thing. So this to me this is a disco ballad. So Yeah, this would be a disco ballad. Yeah. Yep. For when you need to dance. take a little break. Yeah. Yep. Uh, All right. So Barry Treasure then. I yep. know we had a conversation about this one. And since we talked about a Fagan composition earlier, I brought 
this Fagan thing into the buried treasure. Uh, even though this is well outside of the years of Yacht Rock, this is from uh, 2012. Mm. But you and I, I was trying to hook you up into checking out Donald Fagan's Sunken Condos album. Yes. So I want to offer this one as a buried treasure. And this is from that album. It's called The New Breed. So that could be both off the map and a buried treasure. It could be. It, it feels yachty, though. I mean, even I mean, and it's it, it sounds a lot like um, IGY type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like it's it's like could could tie into that. Sonically, that album is so different that when you first listen to it, you're like, "Whoa, what is going on here?" Everything sounds so like dry and spongy. But once you kind of acclimate your mind to it, you realize how great the tunes are. And lyrically, this one's just just a gem. You know, so. <laughs> typical Fagan. Except it makes sense. Oh, this one actually makes sense. But it is typical in the sense that it's got that sarcasm. But <laughs> it makes sense. Yes. So love that one. So what do you got? Well, I'm sticking with the Who Wore It Best theme, and I'm right. going back to our friend Elkie Brooks, who had that Pearls Ooh, album, right? Lots yeah. of covers. Maybe all covers. And this is a song that I, I'm going to ask you two things. Okay. Uh, sort of a float your boat type of question, even though it's a buried treasure. It's Superstar, and that's her cover of The Carpenters. Do either of those float your boat? And I guess it doesn't really matter, but here it is, because this is, I think, a buried treasure. Don't you remember you told me you loved me, baby? might be one we have to do a, uh, a Who Art Best on. Yeah. Because there's that version. Of course, you mentioned the Carpenters version, mm-hmm. you know, written by Leon Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luther Vandross, he medleyed it with another song, kind of not quite a mashup, not quite a medley, but uh, there, there's several worth uh, okay. looking into. But um, That's a song, I think, because of the name being Superstar and the chorus is not that, that I tend to forget about. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I would agree song. with that. Yeah. That's why it's buried. But don't you me. remember you told me you love me, baby? Song. <laughs> that's what I thought it was yeah, called. I know. Right? Yeah. That's All a right. great song. Every version had I me. Mean, just what a. That could, that, that's not a yachty um, composition, but Superstar in and of itself is a modern day standard. Yep. I think. I, I think so you too. Know. All right. Well, let's go off the off map. Off the map. And I'm going to turn to some viewer mail because when we did, I brought an off the map a few weeks ago, and it was. Do you remember when I I thought I found some surprisingly yacht qualities to um, Gigolo's "Get Lonely Too" oh, yeah. by the yep. time? Yep. Well, listener Derek sent us some mail, and I think he gave me his permission to identify him as Derek Baker. People probably know him in the Facebook group, but because uh, of that, and we started talking, I think on the podcast about the. Um, uh, no, nothing compares to you, right? Which was the crime against humanity that Sinead O'Connor did, but yep. the original, which I think is the first version, to me, it's the best version. It's not the Prince version. It's the family. You mentioned the family, yeah. And so he wrote us, "Hey, do you know this dude, Alexander O'Neill?" Mm-hmm. And he sent us this tune, which is called "Look at Us Now." It seems so easy, but love has its ways. Now I'm begging you to stay Who's to say 
That's got some yacht soul to it. So he, I guess, is part of that Minnesota scene that we were talking about. What do you know about him? Well, I remember um, that we used to play when back, back in my DJing days, and one of our favorites to play was uh, he had a hit with a song called uh, If You Were Here Tonight, mm. which is a great R&B ballad. Same album as that, apparently, as we just looked up. But it's it's definitely got some Yachty vibe, but it's got that... 80s mix. Yeah. It's got, you know, too much reverb on everything, mm-hmm. but all the other elements are kind of there. Kind of there, yeah. And apparently he, at one point, maybe even initially, was going to be the lead singer of the time. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's what uh, listener Derek told me, so. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah, part of that broader Minnesota scene. A little bit of yacht in it. Well, that would have changed. I don't know. He, well, he has a completely different kind of... I know. Personality than Morris. <laughs> Not man. many people have Morris opposites. Almost, I mean, he was just smooth and cool and laid back, and then yeah. Morris, of course, you know, lovable clown. Somebody get me a mirror, right? <laughs> <sighs> Jesse, no, no, not Jerome. Jerome. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you've got to wrap us up here? I got one. Uh, I probably could have put this in as a float your boat or a buried treasure, but. I think I know the answer to those, but I want this one in there. I think this is really a cool tune. 1977 by Chicago. And this features uh, at the end as Shaka Khan Ooh. doing like uh, an ad lib thing. And the way it's credited on uh, Wikipedia, it says Shaka Khan, background vocals and incredible preach at end of Take Me Back to Chicago. There's Shaka on the Incredible Preach. Woo! That's cool. That's going to be a nice little addition to that. Yes, playlist. it is. So that's what, that's what the Off the Map is for. We, right. we recognize that it's probably not Yachty, but it is a goodie. Yeah. Awesome. Well, maybe we do one more Who Wore It Best. Okay. I'm going to do something, and then you see if you can improve upon it. Okay. Ahoy, Pillow, eh? 